Great, so we're um, back in Acts. It's been a few weeks because we've had parade and we've had a meal with Jesus last week. So we did to get back into the zone of Acts. So I'm just going to recap a little bit of what's been going on. Um, so Acts is the story of the gospel going viral. The gospel's going out, the church is growing, loads of people are believing, and the gospel's going out. So it's doing exactly what um, it said in Acts 1 verse 8. The command from Jesus was this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we've seen the gospel which started in Jerusalem and it's starting to go out. It's starting to get out past Judea and further. Look at this map. We've got Jerusalem here. And where we're looking at today is a church in Antioch, just up the coast. So we've begun to see how this gospel is going. It's going out. This bit comes straight after um, the section with Peter and Cornelius. Peter has that vision of this sheet and the animals, do you remember? And the whole, the whole episode with Cornelius is to show that even, a, even someone like Cornelius, who's a Gentile, who's an outsider, he can be saved by the same message of the gospel. The gospel is for him as well. Just have a quick look um, at verse 17 and 18, just before this passage we've got today, it sums up nicely um, the attitude um, of what's happened with the believers and what's happened with this episode with Cornelius. It says in verse 17, um, so if God gave them, that's the Gentiles he's speaking about, so if God gave them the same gift, which is the Holy Spirit, that he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praise God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Who can stand in God's way? He is saving Gentiles, and we're beginning to see that in Acts. The point here is no one is off limits to the gospel. No one is off limits to God's grace. And the gospel is for everyone. So that's where we're at in Acts. And this bit that we're looking at today in Antioch is this first church where we can see this gospel of grace for both Jews and Gentiles and they're, bo- they're both being saved and believers are being saved into this church. So this story in this passage, it's a story of the church in Antioch, it's a story first of all of God's grace in saving people and saving new believers and it's a story of the relationship between this church in Antioch and the sending church in Jerusalem down the coast, their mother church in a way. Um, so we're doing a think about this, the grace of God in Antioch. And there seems to me to be a really clear... Back to, wait a minute. Let's go back to the map. So we're thinking about Jerusalem and Antioch. I've already showed you that, haven't I? Um, and there's exciting things happening in Antioch. <laughs> Really exciting things happening. The gospel's reached there, and it's taken effect. God is doing a great thing in Antioch. And Barnabas, we read in this passage, hears about this. He's from Jerusalem. He hears about it, and he goes to visit. Look at verse 26. This is not 26. Verse 23. It's a really key verse. It says, he saw, his Barnabas, saw the grace of God, and he was glad. He saw the grace of God in Antioch, what God was doing, and he was glad. But what does grace look like? What did he see? 
what exactly was going on in Antioch that made Barnabas so glad. Looking at this passage, we're going to see some really exciting ways of how God is at work in this church in Antioch, how he's saving people. And this is what Barnabas is getting so glad about. He's rejoicing that God is doing something amazing in Antioch. So we're going to consider God's grace this morning, what he's doing in Antioch and what he's doing in us and what he's doing in the world today. But let me pray first before we um, go on that we might have that same response as Barnabas. Father, we thank you um, that you are a God of grace. Lord, that you have shown us all grace in Jesus Christ. He is all grace. And what he did on the cross means there's an amazing message of salvation for everyone. Lord, thank you that means we, can, we are here this morning to hear of him. We are sat here. We are people who are saved and we are people who know your grace. And I pray, Lord, this morning that we would just get excited and be glad and rejoice in your grace again this morning, we pray. Amen. So the grace of God going out um, from Jerusalem to Antioch. Um, here's a little arrow going up that way. Um, there seems to be a very clear movement in this passage. Look at verse 19. It says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out with Stephen, when Stephen was killed, travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch. This bit where Stephen's killed comes earlier in Acts. Um, and as, as a result of some persecution, the big persecution that came out of that, the believers are being scattered, they're spreading out, they're going up to Antioch, they're going to Phoenicia. And in this passage we see how there's a clear movement up to Antioch. So the first way we see God's grace here is we see the grace that turns persecution into preaching. Like I said, the meaning of Peter's vision and this episode with Cornelius is that the gospel is for everyone, for the Jew and the Gentile, for everyone. And whereas some of the people, some of the believers still didn't get that, and in verse 19 they were still only speaking to Jews, amazingly, some totally got it. And they were preaching to the Greeks, which are, are Gentiles. Look at verse 20. It says, some of them, the believers, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. They were preaching about Jesus being the Lord. They obviously thought this was something they needed to hear, that the Gentiles needed to know Jesus as well. This is amazing. Some of the Jews from Jerusalem, out of persecution, they end up going to preach the gospel so that this grace of God and this message of grace goes to people in Antioch it's striking as well isn't it that it's persecution that causes this it's something that maybe seems bad or hard but God uses it for good God uses this persecution to bring about good the gospel goes out it seems like God does that quite a lot actually God causes all things to work for good even though it doesn't seem like it and as a result of this preaching, many believe. So secondly, you see that the grace brings many Gentiles to faith. Have a look at verse 21. We see God's hand and God's purpose and his plan for all being worked out here. It says, verse 21, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. A great number of people believed. So what did Barnabas see? 
He saw that God had blessed the preaching of these early believers. And there were many Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles who were believing. So God, in his great purposes, is showing his grace through the preaching of his word, through his people going out to speak for him, and through people beginning to believe. I didn't just stop there. You can see through the rest of this passage that God keeps on blessing this church with growth and numbers. Look at verse 24. It says, And a great number of people were brought to the Lord after Barnabas is there. And verse 26 says, Saul and Barnabas taught a great many people. God is clearly at work. And the news of this spreads back to Jerusalem, and the Jerusalem church hears about it. Have a look at verse 22. News of this, all this exciting, amazing news of what God is doing in Antioch, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Barnabas and the church hear about this, and he comes to see what's going on. So, thirdly, then, the grace that Barnabas sees. And we get to this key verse, verse 23. Barnabas arrived in Antioch and he saw what the grace of God had done. And he was glad. He was glad. He was glad that Gentiles were being saved. He rejoiced. He was happy. He saw what God was doing and it caused him in his heart to be happy. Now, it's worth thinking and stopping for us to think, how often do we just stop and consider what God is doing and think about his grace and let it make us happy? How often do we do that and stop and just think what the amazing things God has done in his grace? Because there's plenty of reasons to be glad. Plenty of reasons. I mean, God is doing amazing things amongst us in the youth here and in this church and in his world. There's loads of reasons to be glad. Go back to this church. David Cook, who writing about this passage, says about Antioch, he says, everything this church is and does comes back to God's grace. And it's the same here of Christ Church Forward. Everything we are, everything this church is, and everything this church does is because of God's grace. So just think, what can we be glad about that God is doing here by his grace? I mean, there's been quite a few new people coming along, maybe on a Sunday night, some new youth. People who've been saved last year, like Dan Jenkinson, coming to faith through coming to Slaters. People coming to Christianity Explored. People searching and wanting to know more about the Lord Jesus. New believers who are getting stuck into church. The family that we have here that everyone enjoys, that... We can have a, a youth group, we can have a, a thriving church family that we're a part of that cares for each other. There's loads to be glad about how God has been gracious to us as a church and as a youth. And also, the fact that Barnabas even visits in the first place is another sign of God's grace. Their will. So, Fourth one, the gracious provision of leaders. Barnabas is also a sign of God's grace. Because the Jerusalem church here, of all that's going on in Antioch, and they want to send someone to help. They want to send a pastor and an encourager to go and help them out. 
And if you see in verse 23, when it goes on, Barnabas, he gets there. He sees their repentance. He sees their faith. And verse 23, it says, he arrived, he saw the grace of God, what the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Now the name Barnabas, it means encourager. That's what it means. So here, Barnabas, he's living up to his name. He's gone to encourage the people. He sees God's grace at work in these believers and he wants more of it. He wants them to keep trusting in God and his amazing grace. Because that is a firm and solid foundation for them as the believers. So he wants their good. He wants them to be built up. And he wants them to be built up so much that he goes to fetch Saul to come and teach them. So he goes off, verse 25. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So there's also the gracious provision of leaders in Saul as well. This church can enjoy a time of being built up and teaching from Saul and Barnabas. And there's a great many people that are encouraged by it. This shows both how God is gracious in providing people like Paul like Saul and Barnabas to teach and pastor and encourage them but also the grace that is working amongst them that they are willing to listen and be taught and be teachable so Barnabas and Saul they spend a year teaching building up this young church and it shows the real importance of people the needs for the church to be built up and taught in this grace and taught in this gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can be obedient and they can serve and they can give like we see them doing here. So as we're stopping again and thinking how God has been so gracious to us as a church to give us leaders and encouragers and pastors and vicars like Paul or Gareth or Joe or Andrew. He doesn't have to give us them. It's out of his grace that he's given us such godly people that leaders and teachers. So let's thank God for them. So things are going well for this church. This grace is transforming them. They're being taught. And Antioch is fast becoming a new centre for gospel ministry where gospel, the gospel is going out. And they're being obedient to the Lord. This is too where they're first called Christians. Did you see it in verse 26? They are first called Christians here. It's a nickname. Christians. We're all called Christians now. But back then it was, this was the first time. It was a nickname that was given to them. But why are they called Christians? I was thinking about this, and I was reading up about it, and it's precisely because that God has saved both Jews and Gentiles, he is saving both Jews and Gentiles, that they need a new name. They can't still be called Jews, that would be wrong, because things have changed. They, they were divided before, Jews, Gentiles. Now, they're being saved together by the same gospel, the same grace, the same Lord Jesus. So they need a new name. So they're called Christians. It's a little bit like um, Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United merging to form one new football club. They can't be called the Owls and the Blades anymore. That wouldn't be right. They'd need a new nickname, a new name, maybe the, the Blouse. I don't know, Blades. 
Yeah, maybe, whatever, that's not a very good one. Anyway, <laughs> but it's like that. There, there's two, what used to be divided, have been brought together and they're being saved by this gospel of grace and they need a new name, which is why they're called Christians. So, it's a sign of their unity. So you're beginning to see the greatness of God's grace and all that he's doing here in Antioch. He's doing great things. So we've seen there's this flow of grace kind of up from Jerusalem, up the coast to Antioch, and sending Barnabas with the people, um, the believers spreading out, spreading the gospel, people believing. It's kind of heading up the coast. There's been a flow of grace going up. Um, But now let's see how this kind of turns around and grace begins to work the other way and how Antioch is sharing in showing grace back to the church in Jerusalem. So secondly, the grace of God coming back from Antioch to Jerusalem and Judea. The grace of God is transforming this church and it transforms them so that they respond to a need. They respond to the need that they hear. They get a visit of um, a prophet that comes up from Jerusalem and he says this in verse 27. Have a look. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agapus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. And when they hear of the need, they decide to help. Look at verse 29. It says, The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So they see the need. There's their brothers and sisters in Judea. They're going to be experiencing famine. And they decide to help each one as they are able. This is a little bit more than just chucking a pound in the collection pot. This was sacrificial. They decided, they thought about it, what they would give because they were caring so much for their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem and Judea. So amazingly, after all they've received from this church in Jerusalem, they've received Barnabas and the gospel, they've been on the receiving end of so much grace. Now, amazingly, they've been transformed by this grace, that they're sending this grace and showing this grace back to the church in Jerusalem by sending them help in their need, by sending um, them support. And not only this, I guess the fact that the prophet comes up to Antioch and the prophet prophesies and the church listens and the church respects this prophecy and the church decides in obedience to do something about it, that's a sign of God's grace at work among them as well. They've been transformed so much that they're going to share in this grace back to the church in Jerusalem. So in this collection, it's really a sign of their unity as Christian brothers and sisters. The sign that they are one family. They're worshipping the same Lord Jesus. They're sharing in the same grace. It's amazing. It's worth thinking, again, stopping to think. How have we, first of all, been receivers of grace and people's help and people's support in this church? And how can we also be involved in sharing in this grace, in sharing it to others and caring for them, helping them. I guess especially as well in 
helping them see the grace of God by coming to things like Sunday and being here to commit to, together to learn and be transformed by God's grace as we hear his word here at Sunday AM, a small group, a church on a Sunday night. That's a way we can be involved in helping each other, sharing this grace and caring for each other. So we've looked at Antioch, we've thought a little bit about ourselves, but I wanted to just think about how God is at work in the whole world now by his grace. Um, so we're going to just have a quick think about um, Jordan. Oh, there we go, it's flowing back down, see. Um, the grace of God in Jordan. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about um, Jordan at the moment. Some really encouraging things of what the gospel is doing, what God is doing by his grace. So since 1995 to 2010, the whole of the evangelical church has doubled in size. Amazing thing to give thanks to God for. Maybe some of this is something we can be thinking about when we pray later in our groups. Amazing thing that the gospel is going out to Jordan. And more and more Muslims are coming to faith, possibly hundreds every year. They don't know for sure, but Muslims are coming into the family of God and trusting in Jesus. Loads of things to give thanks for in Jordan. But also, like this church responds to need, let's think about their needs too. Um, there's been a real problem really with Jordan is a really unsettled place. Um, and lots of people think it's the safest way is just to emigrate. So they need leaders. They haven't got leaders like Barnabas, or not as many leaders like Barnabas and Saul or our vicars. They haven't got as many people coming up to be leaders. So let's pray for that for them. And life is hard. There's loads of pressure on Christians um, from society and family. So pray that they'll stand firm. That will hopefully just help shape our prayers a bit later as well. So just keep that in our mind. God is at work by his grace. In Antioch we've seen, here in our church, but in the world. So keep that in your mind. It's something to be excited about. And what does Barnabas respond? He's glad. I can't make you be glad. I can't make myself be glad this morning. But let's think about what God is doing and be glad. So just think though, the church isn't always like this, is it? Maybe. I mean, what's the alternative if we're not trusting in God's grace? I guess um, if we're not trusting in grace, we wouldn't understand that we need to evangelise the people that are outside, that we see as outsiders. I guess everyone would be trying to just be better than each other all the time. I guess we wouldn't be sharing with each other. We'd be boasting and being all about ourselves. But amazingly, the Christian message is all about grace, isn't it? It says in Ephesians that it's by grace we've been saved so that no one can boast. And this grace transforms us and changes us. It's God's grace that saves each one of us. It's God's grace that he showed ultimately in Jesus on the cross when he poured out his life on the cross so that we can be forgiven and saved and know him and be not condemned anymore. We can be loved by him and known by him and have that perfect relationship. Jesus is all grace. Grace isn't just a thing. Jesus is grace to us. It's amazing. And that leaves us all in a place of dependency on God. That's why we're not going to be trying to be better than each other all the time. We're all dependent on God's grace. We all share in God's grace. 
And that's why when Paul writes each one of his letters in the New Testament, he always starts with a greeting, something like this, grace to you, my brothers, something like that. He always says, grace to you. It's a message of grace, because that's what we all share in, is God's grace. And it's amazing and wonderful to see how God's grace is at work in, in a church like this, in a church like Antioch, in our church, and how God's grace is at work in the world. So let's think and consider how God is so gracious and how he's at work. And let us be glad. Then let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much that you are alive. You are God who is really at work in this world. Lord, we can see in the pages of the Bible how you were at work in Antioch all those years ago in bringing people to believe your gospel. Lord, I thank you that the gospel has reached us. Thank you, Lord, that you provided people who spoke it to us, who showed us um, what grace and love there is in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for how you're at work in this church, in this youth group, in how you're at work in us by your grace. And Lord, we praise you for it, Lord. Would you help us to rejoice in all that you are doing? Amen. Cool, so we're going to have a bit of time in groups. There's just two questions, really simple. Um, think about how you've seen the grace of God here at work. Think about it and be glad. And then the um, second one, which is um, how can you be involved in sharing this grace with others? And then spend some time praying and rejoicing and being glad. And um, that would be great.